All right, let's pray. Everybody there? Everybody? Awesome. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for this morning. It's so good to be together. To know that it's not an accident or a coincidence that you've brought us, Lord, to this place. To, to seek you, to meet with you, to hear from you. And Lord, you know exactly what each and every one of us needs to hear this morning. God, I pray that we would have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. We need a fresh work of your Spirit within each one of our lives. And so meet with us, Lord. Speak to us. Transform and change us. By the power of your Spirit, for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 So, where do we start this? What's the theme of Philippians? Anybody know what the theme is, real quick, before we start? Joy. The theme of this book is joy. And there's, listen, um, there's not a whole lot of joy out there right now. A lot of worry, a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety. A lot of anger that's growing, and so we are going to... Have you guys experienced that in your lives? No? Some of us? Yeah? Listen, we, Paul's going to teach us, the Lord's going to teach us through Paul that we can have joy in the midst of our circumstances, no matter what's going on around us outwardly or inwardly as well in our lives. And so um, let's begin with the first couple of verses um, Paul and Timothy, it says, verse 1, bondservants of Jesus Christ to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So the Apostle Paul is writing to the church, where is this church located? And Philippi, do you guys, you guys remember where that church started, how it began? Anybody remember how that began? Where do we find it? Acts chapter, you guys remember where that is? Acts chapter 16, if you're taking notes, you can, you can check it out later. I'm going to give us a brief summary, because that church, how it started, is so radical. Listen, how this church started so radical, and how it's grown, it's totally been a work of God's Spirit. So the Apostle Paul, after his first missionary trip... He was hanging out with a dude named Barnabas, and he said, listen, let's go back and visit all the churches that we planted, all the churches that, that we were uh, invested in, engaged in. Let's go back and see how they're doing. And you remember what happened with Paul and Barnabas? They got in a little fight, because Christians sometimes get in little fights, don't they? Not in this church. I hear about it, other churches. Paul and Barnabas, they're they're button heads, right, over John Mark, who bailed out during the first mission trip, right? And so they split up two mission teams instead of one now, right, God's grace. So Paul took a dude named Silas, and he went back and traveled through modern-day Turkey, all those churches that had been planted, and he continued traveling eastbound, and he picked up a, a guy named Timothy, remember Timothy? And he picked up Timothy, Paul's protege, another pastor, along the way. They keep traveling eastbound, and Paul wants to reach these different areas in, uh, in modern-day Turkey, north and west, and the Holy Spirit closes the door, one after another. Again, God works sometimes to close doors, correct? 
that's a perfect example of, that we find in Scripture. God closed the door here, closed the door there, and then finally they arrived on the west coast of Turkey, and, uh, or, mod, or it was called Asia back then, in a little city called Troas. And when they were in Troas, Paul had a vision in the night of a Macedonian man that cried for help. Come, help us. We need your help. So the guys, Paul shared with the guys and said, listen, I had this vision, this dream last night. Let me share with you. And they came to the conclusion, we need to go over there and share the gospel with them in Macedonia, which is uh, northern Greece today. And so they added one more person to their mission team. You guys remember who it was? It was, thank you, it was Luke. That's right, because the pronouns change. It goes from he, they, them, right there it begins with us and we. We traveled westbound across the Aegean Sea and landed at Philippi. You guys remember that? You guys remember this? You guys know what I'm talking about? Ended up in Philippi, right? And what was Paul's, remember Paul's like uh, mode of, of ministry? He would go to the... Jew first, and then the Gentile. He'd go to synagogues, right? He would go to synagogues and reason from the scriptures that Jesus is the Messiah. And what happened? There was no synagogue there. But there was a bunch of Jewish gals out by the riverside that would meet on the Sabbath, and they would have a prayer meeting. So what did Paul do? He and the boys went, and they would be there for that prayer meeting, and a gal named Lydia, remember, remember Lydia, who... Uh, was a businesswoman, right? She, she, uh, she dealt with purple material, purple clothing, uh, that, that dye, right? Purple dye. So she's a businesswoman. She ends up getting saved and invites Paul and the guys to stay with her at her house. Her family ends up getting saved. The church begins. There's no Macedonian man yet, by the way. Just Macedonian women. That's all we're meeting. And then all of a sudden, Paul and the guys are traveling, right? Traveling around the city, and there's this fortune-telling girl who follows them, and and she's saying, hey, these are the servants of the Most High God. They're telling us the way of salvation. And we find out she's demon-possessed. She's got the right information, but the wrong implication is the idea. And so finally, Paul, uh, Paul commands the demon to leave her, she ends up getting set free, <laughs> saved by the Lord. And so she's also added to the church. But her owners, the ones that were making money off of her, using her and abusing her, they were ticked off, weren't they? They're like, there goes our cash cow. There goes our, mo- there goes our income, right? We can't be making money off this woman any longer. So they grab Paul and Silas and drag them to the marketplace in front of the magistrates And they're like, these Jews, they're doing this and they're doing that. And all of a sudden, there's no courtroom, there's no justice. They break out bats and they start whooping Paul and Silas, beating them, giving them a serious beatdown. If you've ever been in that position, a beatdown by a number of people, it's not fun, correct? If you've ever been there. They get beat down and then, on top of that, they get thrown into prison, shackled, cuffed, in the inner prison, maximum security, they get cuffed and stuffed. They're down there. And it says at midnight. You guys know what they were doing at midnight? They were praying and praising the Lord. Wow. What do you think they were praying? God, get those, 
Sick them. Listen, here's the thing about suffering when we go through difficulty. People are watching and people are listening. It says, I don't think it's an accident in that text, it says all the prisoners were listening. And so here they come in, they get chained up. Midnight, it's dark, there's no lights, and all of a sudden the people are hearing these prayers. And they're hearing this worship session going on. Listen, how we respond to adversity, how we respond to difficulty, how we respond to suffering, it touches people's lives if we do it in a way that looks like Jesus. Filled with the Spirit. They were filled with the Spirit. Singing and making melody in their heart to the Lord is an evidence of being filled with the Spirit. They're not filled with venom or bitterness. They're not cursing men. They're blessing God. And so how awesome. And then all of a sudden, remember what happened next? God starts tapping his foot to the worship. Oh, yeah. I think that's, I'm making that up, but this is what I think happened. He's tapping his foot, and an earthquake hits. That's why I think that. I don't know. That's pure conjecture. And then everybody gets sprung loose. All the chains are dropping. Prison doors are opening up. And the Philippian jailer, the dude in charge of the jail, he's freaking out. Why? Because he thinks all the prisoners have bolted. He thinks they've escaped. And if they escape, if the prisoners escape on his watch, he's toast. He's a dead man. And so he's about to kill himself. He's about to commit suicide. And Paul said, don't do that. Stop. And listen, can I encourage you today, if you're thinking about that today, can I encourage you to stop? There is a way to kill the pain. Taking your life is not the way to take away the pain. Taking up your cross is the way to kill the pain. And that's where life is found in Jesus Christ. And so he says, what must I do to be saved? I mean, can you imagine that response? He said, what must I do to be saved? I think they're praying and praising, somehow pr- proclaim the gospel, proclaim the love, the forgiveness, the grace of God. He's like, what should I do to get saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you and your whole family will be saved. And so what does he do? He takes Paul and Silas home, washes them up, cleans them up, all their wounds. They, Paul shares the word of God. The whole family gets saved. They go down to the river, get baptized. So that was the Macedonian man, by the way. They finally met the Macedonian man. It was a Philippian jailer. So you've got this church now of these former, uh, this former uh, fortune teller. You've got the Philippian jailer and his family. right? You've got the gals that were meeting down by the riverside. A church is birthed there in Philippi. And now Paul is writing a letter to this church. And by the way, it's more like a thank you note. It's like a thank you note, because the Philippian church consistently, listen, consistently supported the Apostle Paul. And this is so remarkable to me, because this was one of the, one of the poorest churches there were, and yet they gave the most, the Apostle Paul. And isn't that the way it is in ministry? Those that have the least always give the most. Time, talent, treasures. I've seen it in 20 years in ministry. I've seen it over and over and over again. Those that got nothing give the most to serve Jesus Christ. And it is, it, it's, it's awesome. It is inspiring to see that. And so how did this church take care of Paul? Where's Paul writing from right now, by the way? Anybody know? He's writing from jail. He's writing from prison. And a guy from that church, from the Philippi church, his name was Epaphroditus. We're going to learn about him later. 
He came and delivered stuff to Paul to bless him, to meet his needs, to take care of them all from the Philippian church. And by the way, jails back then, prisons back then were not like ours now. Like today, you got a bed, you got a bed TV, cable, internet, gym, you got gym membership. <laughs> How do you know that, Pastor? Because I know there's people in our church that have come out of prison. They had, listen, in the, the prisons in those days, you got nothing, man. You're at the mercy of other people to come and to help you, to bring you stuff. And the Philippian church recognized that need, and what do they do? They met the need, and Paul is super grateful. He's like, uh, and we're going to see that in just a moment. The church was near and dear to Paul. Are you ever going to start, Pastor? I am right now. <laughs> Who's the letter from? We're told right up front, Paul and Timothy, right? Again, Timothy, Paul's protege. Timothy, a pastor. We're going to read more later about Timothy also. And notice how they identify themselves. They identify themselves how? As bond servants of Jesus Christ. What is a bond servant? You read that and go, what in the world's a bond? Or some of your Bibles may say a bond slave. You guys remember in ancient times, bond slaves or bond servants were those that were, um, that were serving, uh, serving someone, they were in servitude, they had a master, and then now all of a sudden the time period has expired for their service, and so they're cut loose to be free, but they say, I don't want to be cut loose to be free, I want to give you my life and serve you forever because I love you. And that's what Paul's saying here, we're bonds, we've been set free. Has anybody here been set free? If the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. The Lord has set us free. And just like Paul saying here, we've chosen to serve Jesus Christ the rest of our lives, to love him and to serve him. We're devoted to him. And Paul's like, hey, it's from us. We're just servants. We're not superstars. We're not, you know, high, high rollers. We're servants. We're servants of Jesus Christ. And listen, everybody serves something or someone. Hopefully, we, hopefully everyone here this morning has got the right master. Because if you've got Jesus as the right master, man, life, you, you're experiencing life and life abundantly. Well, who's it to? Verse 1, to this, all the saints in Christ Jesus. All the, who are the saints? Is that like super spiritual, extraordinarily holy people, like saints? That they glow, like they, like when they walk around, like they seem to float when they walk. Is that what a saint is? We're talking about here? Christians, listen, listen, I and I don't mean to make light of this. Either you're a saint or you ain't. There is no middle ground. Jesus said, You're either for me or you're against me. He who doesn't gather with me scatters. There is no kind of I'm straddling the fence. Either you're all in or you're not all in. And so the saints, a saint is someone that's placed their faith and trust in Jesus. Someone that's we just sang, I've chosen to follow Jesus to go his way, to follow him, to go the narrow way, the difficult way that leads to everlasting life. That's what saints are. And so Paul and and Timothy say, it's to all the saints who are in Christ Jesus. That speaks of our connection with him. We're abiding in Jesus Christ, right? Jesus said, abide in me and you will bear much fruit. We've been created for that connection, to be in Christ Jesus, to have a relationship with him. The Bible tells us in Colossians 1 that all things are created by him and for him. You and I were created for Jesus, to be connected with him. Notice also the saints who are in 
Philippi. That's their physical location. That's on the eastern side across the Aegean Sea of uh, northern Greece today with the bishops and deacons. What are bishops and deacons? Are those the little things you play with on the board? Is that what we're talking about here? Bi- Is that what we're talking about, y'all? Bishops, bishops. Listen, that word bishop, check it out. You can study this later. Acts chapter 20, Titus chapter 1. You can see the, the, the term bishop is used interchangeably for elder and pastor. Bishop, elder, pastor. Three facets of the same man, same person. I encourage you to check that out. Bishop, the word bishop is episkopos. We get Episcopalian church. It means episcopos. It means overseer, overlooker. One who oversees God. Whose church is it? It's God's church. Who oversees God's work, oversees God's church. He's a leader in the church. Are you guys with me on this? And so he keeps an eye on the church. And then deacons are, I would say, designated doers. That makes sense? Deacons are designated doers. They have a special responsibility within the body of Christ, special area of ministry to be engaged in service and, 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 and trying to implement the vision for the ministry and doing the work of the ministry as well. In fact, the word means to kick up dust in the Greek. And so deacons don't just sit back and chill out. They're kicking up dust. They're serving. They're involved, engaged in ministry. So the church has some leadership structure. And Paul's like, you know what? This is who it's to, to all, to all y'all. Paul was Southern. We're going to find out in just a minute here. And then his greeting, that Paul's greeting, typical greeting, grace to you and peace from where? Where does grace and peace come from? From God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you guys catch that? God's grace. You, is anybody thankful for God's grace this morning? His kindness, His favor, His mercy, His blessing, all for you and me. Why? Because we deserved it or earned it? No way. We didn't work for it. Amen. Thank, I heard that little amen back there. Or was it a little praise hallelujah? His kindness, his favor poured out. The Bible tells us in John chapter 1 that Jesus gives us grace, layer upon layer of grace. Isn't that beautiful? His kindness, his favor. Look at your life. Has God been good to you? He's been nothing but good to us, gang. That's reason to praise him and to thank him for that grace. Amazing grace. Are you with me? And we're to grow in grace. And not only that grace... Ladies, Friday night, ladies study, right? Grace is teaching us something, right? God's grace, we should be open to the teaching of God's grace as well. It's grace where we begin. It's grace all along the way. Jesus said to the Apostle Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. And it's grace that's going to bring us home, gang. The whole way, the distance, we need his grace. And then we have peace. Grace and peace. What's peace? Is that the time in between your reloading? Is that peace? Absence of warring? That's, I like that definition. There's two type, listen, there's two types of peace biblically. There's peace with God. If you're taking notes, Romans 5. Why do I need peace with God? Because before you surrender to Jesus Christ, you and I are enemies of God. 
Do you know that this morning? Before we came to know Jesus, we were fighting, we were going our own way. We weren't following Jesus. We were going our own way, doing our own thing. And, and God's word declares that we were his enemies. And yet when we surrendered to Jesus, what happened? We became children, children of God, forgiven, justified, made right in God's sight because of the free gift that he gives us of righteousness. That's good news this morning, yes? We have peace with God, but there's also the peace of God. Philippians chapter 4, if you're taking notes, you can check it out later. Philippians 4. Be anxious for some things. Be anxious for 75% of things. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to who? To God. And the peace of God will what? Will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. We drop our guards, don't we? You guys don't drop your guard ever. Pray for me. We do, don't we? We get anxious. We start to fret. We go to the comfort food rather than going to the comforter. That ringing a bell with anybody here this morning. Rather than saying, you know what? This is Jack. Lord, my situation's jacked up. More month than money. But I'm seeking first your kingdom and your righteousness. And I thank you for how you're going to answer my prayers and work in my life. And what happens? All of a sudden, you got peace. Where did that peace come from? And people are looking at you going, whoa, 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 time out. Why aren't you pacing back and forth? Why aren't you biting your nails? Why aren't you freaking out? The bombs are dropping off. Because why? It's a testimony to people that why? Because you are a man or a woman of prayer. You're, in, you're online. You're connected to the Lord, a person of prayer, abiding in Him, looking to Him. And it's a testimony to those around us. And so grace and peace. And by the way, that word peace literally means to join together into a whole wholeness. Isn't that beautiful? That's what happens. That's what happens, that wholeness. Because sometimes we just feel like we're teared in all these different directions, and it's his peace that brings us back to that place of wholeness, of being together, having it together, right? I don't have, I don't have it together. You're right. <laughs> look to the Lord. He'll help you. Get it all together. Next verse. I thank, look, this is so awesome. Paul's, where he begins, I thank my God Upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making request for you all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. That amenable stuff right there. Is that good news this morning to you guys? Is that awesome? So-so? Pretty good? Amazing. Just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, in as much as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace, for God is my witness. How greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. This is awesome. We're going to get through. He prays, he prays his prayer in verses 9 through 11, but I want to look at what he says here. Look at verse 3 with me real quick. 
He says, every time I think of you, I am just, I thank the Lord. When I think about you, I am so grateful that you are in my life. Is that how you guys feel about your brothers and sisters? I do. It's like, Lord, thank you for this family. Thank you for your church, Lord. Always, he says, you are all on my prayer list. I'm interceding for you. Look at verse 4. Making supplication on your behalf with what? What does it say? With joy. It's not a bummer to be praying for you. It makes me really happy to be praying for you. When I'm praying, I'm asking with joy. How can prayer give us joy? Do you have prayer when do you have joy when you pray? If not, I think we learned something here. Prayer is something that gave the Apostle Paul joy. And so he says in verse 5, let's check it out. Let's try to break it down. Paul is grateful for their what? For their fellowship, for the connection that they have together, that they've had from day one all the way up to this point. Paul is super grateful. And he says, for your fellowship in the gospel. It's because of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that not only connects us to Jesus, but connects us to one another also. It brings our lives together, doesn't it? I mean, years and years after John was walking with Jesus, he was so blown away. He said, behold, what manner of love that we might be called the children of God. He goes, we're a family. This is amazing. And so Paul says here, he says, I'm grateful that we are a fellowship, a family, but there's something more than that he's saying here. He's saying it's not just that, but they were involved in the work that God had called the Apostle Paul to. They were in fellowship together. They were partners together. He says, you're with me. I'm sharing the gospel, and you guys got my back. You're taking care of me. You've provided for me with food, with with paper and ink to write letters. All these things you've helped with. You have a part in everything that God is doing through my life. We're in this together, and it makes me really happy, Paul says. It's a joy to partner with you. Isn't it great to partner together in ministry, you guys? To serve the Lord. Listen, one day, one day it's going to be worth it. When we pass through the veil into eternity, and people come up to you, and say, wow, thank you so much for sharing the gospel with me. And you're like, whoa, time out. Who are you, dude? I don't remember meeting you. And they're going to say, uh, yeah, you know who we are. We're the people from Russia that you supported the Calvary Chapel there. They went out and shared the gospel with us. Oh, wow. Or the people that come up to us from, where else do we? Sudan. South Sudan. A South Sudanese person comes up to you in heaven and says, thank you so much. Who are you? You supported a chaplain that came and reached our village, came to our Tuchel, came in and shared the gospel. I got saved. Listen, that's that's legit what's going to happen, you guys. We're going to meet people that we... man. Because why? Because we were invested in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news. Because there's not a lot of good news out there, is there today? Is there a lot of good news? You guys listen? Not a, good, not, not a lot. But we have the good news. And Paul's like, it makes me really happy. It's a joy to partner with you. I'm absolutely, look at verse 6. I'm absolutely sure of this. God started a, what kind of work? A good work where? 
in you, within you. This is a work that God does within us. Romans 8.29, we are being conformed to the image of who? We're being conformed to the image of who? Jesus Christ. Do you know what that means? That means God is at work in you, and you're be, you and I are being molded and shaped to become more like Jesus. Is that beautiful? Every situation that comes into your life, every person that comes into your life, guess what God's using? He's using that person. He's using your spouse. He's using your kids. He's using your mommy and daddy. He's using the knuckleheads at work. He's using the kids at school. He's using all of it. Why? To mold and shape us to become more like Jesus Christ. When you start to embrace that, it's like, oh, wow, okay, I get it. And guess what? He's going to complete the work. Did you guys see that? Did you guys see that? I got it highlighted in my Bible. He who has begun a good work in you will, that's a promise, will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ, until you see Jesus face to face. He's going to keep doing this work in you. The best thing is not to resist the work. He's the potter, we are the... He's the potter, we are the... The clay. You guys ever seen a potter work? They stick the lump of clay on a wheel. And then they... They're not just like tapping the music. They're, they've got the speed of the wheel going. Because sometimes, don't you feel like life's out of control? This is so fast. Who's controlling the wheel? The Lord is. And he's molding and shaping. And sometimes he has to reach in and take some stuff out because he's got, he knows what the final product looks like, doesn't he? The clay doesn't. But he does. The potter does. And he's molding and shaping and sometimes a little pressure here, pressure there. But it's his nail-scarred hands that are shaping us. Please remember that. It's his nail-scarred hands that are shaping you and shaping me. He knows what needs to happen in our lives. Just be a, just be a lump. Can you be a lump? I can do that, Pastor. I'm already doing that. Just be a lump in his hands. Right? The clay doesn't yell at the potter. Does. does the clay yell? What are you doing? Well, you are his workmanship. You are his piece of art. You're his workmanship, his, 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 his beautiful work that he's doing. That's glorious to consider this morning. And part of what makes Paul happy here, gives him joy, is because of what he's confident in. God started a good work and God will finish it. Paul can be joyful because he's confident in God this morning. Are you confident in God? Are you guys confident in God this morning? You can be joyful. We can, you know we can relax this morning? <sighs> Big, deep L.A. fitness breath. We can relax. Why? Because God's not going to mess it up. Do you know that God's not going to blow it? He's not going to quit? Do you know that God's not going to throw in the towel? Do you see what the verse says? He's begun a good work in you. He's, that takes all the pressure off. It's a promise from God. And it's like Paul saying, Lord, I thank you for this work you're doing in them. Lord, I know you got this. You're going to complete the work you started. And we get so worked up, so worried, so stressed out, so bitter, Listen, God didn't mess up in the past, and he's not going to mess up in the future. 
Do you, do you know that this morning? Do you know everything's going to work out? Do you guys know that this morning? Everything's going to work out. And you can say, Lord, I'm looking forward to whatever you're going to do. Your will be done. That, that's the place to be, is just to say, we can give them our suggestions. Do you ever give your suggestions to God? Well, here's my suggestions. But your will be done. Because he always gives the best to those who leave the choice with him. Lord, your choice, your will, your desire for me. I give it to you. And so Paul goes on. This is so amazing. Look at verse 7. Just as it is right for me to think this of you all, what's right in God's sight is what? Is to continually think this way about every single one of you. This is amazing to me. It's right to think of our brothers and sisters this way. To be thankful, to recognize we are connected together, and not only that, to understand that we, each one of us, are a work in progress. Correct? Has anybody arrived here spiritually? Are you a work in progress? Is God going to finish that work? Do we need grace? Should we give grace? Or get all impatient and angry? Should we try to fix each other? Who's fixing us? God is. Who's changing us? Who's changing us? Not a trick question. God is. Not hard. Listen, I don't want to get in the way and interfere with his work. Because I can be someone that tries to fix things. I'm a fixer. It doesn't work trying to fix your spouse. Do you guys know that? That's not our job. That's the Lord's job, is to change, to fix. You know, so how do we view our brothers and sisters? Do we cut them some slack as they're being changed? Listen, I don't ever want to put myself in a position of attacking someone that's valuable to God. Each one of you is valuable to the Lord. You're his workmanship to get in the way of what God wants to do. And Paul says it's because, look what he says, because I have you in my heart. They're not just on a prayer list. They're in Paul's heart. And I think Paul may have had in mind, you guys remember the Old Testament in um, Exodus, I can't remember, Exodus 28, somewhere around there. Remember the, the high priest, the outfit he wore? Wasn't that a killer outfit he had? Got like this, the, this cool cap, undergarments, big old breastplate. But remember on the, on the sleeves or on the shoulders, he had the two stones that had the tribes named, both of them. What was that for? It represented the priest carrying around God's people in prayer, in supplication for them, interceding for them. And then on the front of the, the breastplate, for the 12 tribes, there was 12 what? 12, just a bunch of rocks. 12 precious rocks or stones that were on there. And it was, to, it was because it represented they were to be on his heart. And I think Paul may have had that in mind here. I'm carrying you guys in prayer to the Lord. You're on my heart as well. While I'm in prison, I'm in chains. And as much as I'm in chains and in the defense and the confirmation of the gospel, and Paul had to do a lot of testifying, didn't he? Not only on the, on the stand, but also, it's a good thing, he did it as a witness in his life. He testified to the gospel. He validated the gospel that it's real, that it's legit, that it's authentic. And Paul is saying that. Listen, you guys are with me wherever I go. And every one of us, we're partakers of what? Partakers of grace. 
I, this is so, again, so insightful to me. The proper way to view one another, we're a work in progress by God's grace. We all need God's grace. We all need to extend God's grace. And then the proper place to have each other is not just on a prayer list, but in one another's hearts because we're connected together by grace. Again, we all need His grace. We're partakers of that grace. And Paul's like, prayer makes me happy. Prayer makes me joyful because we're in this together. Do you guys know that we're in this together as Christians? Listen, you can't live the Christian life alone and experience the fullness of joy. You can't live the Christian life alone and experience the fullness of joy. In fact, we just learned that this morning in 1 John. John wants us to have the fullness of joy, and it's a result of connection with Jesus and a connection also with one another in the body of Christ. We're partakers of grace. We're partners together of grace. For God is my witness. God knows how much I really want to see you, how much I care about you, just like Jesus. Look what he says, with the affection of Jesus Christ, just like Jesus deeply, intensely, compassionately cares about us. Paul says, that's the way I care about you. That is, guess what? That's a work of God's Spirit within Paul. Remember how Paul started out? Remember how Paul started out? He wanted to do what to Christians? Kill them. He was a murderer of Christians. And now he comes to this place and there's a transformation, isn't there? It's a good work that Jesus has done in his heart. Now he's a lover of others, a lover of people. That's supernatural, isn't it? That's supernatural. Remember James and John? You guys remember James and John? What was the name Jesus gave them? Sons of wispy white clouds. Gentle, smooth breezes. Well, sons of thunder. Remember when James and John went into that Samaritan village? They rejected Jesus. They came back to Jesus. Remember what they said to Jesus? Lord, should we call down fire and burn them? Just like Elijah did. Like a turn and burn ministry. They don't turn you, we burn them. Right? Isn't that what it is? Kind of had it rolled out, Right? Remember what Jesus said? So insightful. You don't know what manner of spirit you are. I did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. John, a son of thunder, later in his life, he, he was called what? A, the apostle of love. How do you go from being a son of thunder to an apostle of love? By Jesus. It's his work in you. It's him changing us. How does it happen? By staying connected to Jesus, walking with Jesus, following Jesus, learning from Jesus, hanging out with Jesus. Are you guys with me on this? It's not hard. Jesus said, come follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. That's a promise from the Lord. And Paul's saying here, listen, God's begun this good work in you. You keep going. You keep doing what you've been doing, walking with the Lord, abiding in Jesus. And God is doing this good work in all of us And he wants to work this in all of us, this care for each other, compassion, mercy for one another. And so Paul, he he can't be there with them. So what does he do? He prays for them. Look at verse 9 as we finish up this morning. And this I pray. What do you pray, Paul? That your love may abound still more and more in knowledge 
and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. So let me just point out something. This is a, this is a Holy Spirit-led prayer. This is a God-inspired prayer. This is a prayer that we can pray for one another. If you don't know how to pray for me, would you pray this prayer for me? Nobody? One amen, thank you. Okay, I'll, I'll take that. I'll take... I think something, just an observation, it's not a laundry list given to God of things to fix and do. Do you know what I mean by that? You guys ever give a laundry list? God, I need you to fix this and do that. And this person needs a job, and this person needs this, and you guys ever pray? I mean, we need to pray that, but it's just observation. It's not that here. What does Paul pray? That your love for God and your love for others would literally continually become super abundant, that it would multiply exponentially. Do you know this morning that our love can grow and become way bigger? Did you guys know that? Our love can grow and become way bigger. This is so insightful. They're really loving. Paul says, listen, your love may abound still more and more. Lord, would you, he prays, Lord, would you help them love even more? This, for me, I love this. Not, Lord, here's what you need to change in them. Here's what you need to fix with them. Do this or do that. Why am I saying that? Because that's how we can pray so many times. And I think this simplifies everything, right? Maybe you've been praying for me. Uh, Dear Lord, help that Pastor Mike. Lame illustrations. He said some offensive things, Lord. Can you fix him? Can you help him, Lord? You got to do something to him. I think it would be way more beneficial to pray this prayer right here. Lord, would you help him to love you more and love us more? Are you with me? Because that's what it boils down to, loving the Lord and loving others. That's what the whole Bible is all about. That's a great prayer. Because what can we pray for? What, what do we pray typically for other people? God, would you fix this issue in them? God, would you fix this and fix that in them? Change this about that person? I think the, the answer is right here. We need to pray for one another. Lord, help them to love you and love others even more. That's a Holy Spirit-led prayer, by the way. Isn't that glorious? It's so simple. Yes? Are you guys with me still this morning? Lord, they, they, Lord, they're in love with their job. Oh, you know what I'll pray? Lord, I pray that they'd fall in love with you more. Lord, would you get them away from doing this and get it? Lord, would you help them fall in love with you more? Lord, they're treating this person that way, and that does the Lord not know? Lord, would you help them to love more? That's real simple, isn't it? But notice what else he says: love more, still more and more in knowledge. That's to know the right stuff and all discernment to discern the right stuff. 
Why does Paul pray this? Because sometimes our knowledge can be without love. Do you know that? You ever met someone that's really growing their Bible knowledge and it's gone from sharing in love to spitting out a bunch of information and there's no love? You ever met anybody like that? It's all truth and no love. It's harsh, isn't it? Anybody experienced that besides me? But love without truth is sloppy agape, right? We get sloppy. So knowledge added or in knowledge, and then sometimes, listen, our discernment can be without love. Do you guys know that this morning? I've been walking with the Lord now for a while, and I discern this about that person. They look fun. They wore a funny outfit. I think they're doing some funny stuff. Our discernment can be without love. I discern this about that person or this person. I think, again, we need to have temper everything with love, you guys. Without love, what? It profits nothing. Love needs to be central. And then Paul says in verse 10 that you may approve, that means to assess the things that are excellent, what's best, what's superior. The, the, the word approve was used for precious stones and metals to see its value, to see what's, what's best. And, and Lord, I pray that, that they would see the beauty and value of what is best. You know what Paul's praying here for them? Paul prays for their priorities to be in order so that they too would be full of joy. Because what can happen? We're not experiencing joy. Why? Because our priorities are messed up. What really matters, you guys? What is really important? Listen, life is short, is it not? Is life short, you guys? And heaven's really long. And Paul's praying that their lives would be invested in what's best, in what's worthwhile. Because sometimes good can be the enemy of the best. I could be doing some good things, but it's keeping me from the best thing, the number one thing. And so what are my priorities? I would say look at your calendar. Look at my, I look at my calendar. Look at my bank account. Look at the things I worry about, the things I wake up living for, the things I wake up thinking about, planning my day. Is this a good thing or is this the best thing? What am I doing with my time, talents, and treasures? And so... Paul says the last couple things here, he says that you may be sincere. Sincere means honest or uh, with integrity or pure. The, the word sincere comes from, uh, with, it means to be without wax. In ancient times when, when someone would do a sculpture like marble or something, um, he, the guy gets to the end and he's chopping away and fixing this statue and all of a sudden he knocks off a nose. Oh no! I'm at the end. I knocked off the nose. What do you do? Throw it away? You pick up the nose. You get some marble dust and some wax. And you put it back on there. And then you sell it. The problem is you get home. You put that, oh, this beautiful statue would look great in the garden right here. And then the sun starts to shine. And what happens to the nose? It falls off, right? It wasn't without wax. It was phony. It was, it was a funky patch job is what happened. Paul's praying, listen, that you wouldn't be phony. There'd be no funky patch jobs, that you would be real. That there would be, you'd be people of integrity and purity. Lord, I pray that they'd be honest and real. And you really find out what someone is, what someone is when you put them under pressure, right? 
when you go through difficulty under the heat. Lord, may they be people of integrity, especially when times are difficult. And then he prays that they would be without offense, not tripping people up, not chopping down people, hurting others. Lord, I pray that they'd be real, not cutting down others to make themselves look good. We can do that, can't we? I, you know, I ask myself as I study this, do I tell the truth in a way that hurts or injures others? Do I say nice things but really don't mean it? And the thing is, we, none of us have arrived. And Paul's pre- that's why Paul's praying this for the church. Because we all need help in these areas, don't we? And he says, till what? Till the day of Christ. Till you see Jesus face to face. Being filled, look what it says as we finish, being filled with the fruits of of righteousness. How does the fruit grow in our life? Which are by Jesus Christ. Again, Jesus said, abide in me and you'll bear much. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And so as we're connected to Jesus, abiding in him, this fruit, the fruit of righteousness, right on stuff begins to happen in our lives. And who gets the glory? Who gets the praise? Look what it says, to the glory and praise of God. Amen. In Jesus' name, Lord, thank you so much for this amazing passage, amazing book. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the amazing work that you've begun in us, that you're going to see through to completion. I pray, Lord, that we would find rest this morning. We would experience fullness of joy in our lives as we simply walk with you and follow you and abide in you. Recognizing that you are in control. Thank you that we are recipients, partakers of your grace, your amazing grace that you so lavish upon us. God, we don't ever want to block that grace with pride, so God, help us just to stay in that place. For you resist the proud, but give grace to the humble, that we would just stay in that place, not resisting your hands shaping and molding us, recognizing that everything that happens in our lives is not a coincidence, but you are at work in a special way, working all things together for good.